This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Let's go to the Lord's model prayer in Matthew chapter 6. been in a series, Biblical Protocols for Prayer. Some of the material we've been using is from Harold Vaughn's book uh, by that title. I didn't get that. Good. Can you try again? <laughs> I am so sorry. And it's muted too. I've got an Apple Watch for sale real cheap. See me afterwards. <laughs> All right. Approaching God's throne. As we pray, there are things that we already know as God's people that we need to be uh, focused on as we approach the Lord. There are protocols. There's a proper way to do it. But then there are things that we continue to learn about how to be effective in praying. As we come to the Lord, uh, praying His will. What does He say about that? If we pray anything according to His will, we know we have the petitions. Where do we find His will? In the Scripture. And what we learn from Scripture, again, these protocols. Again, I'm thankful tonight to have young people in this service, you children need to know how to approach your God. Uh, these truths apply to you as well, and he wants to hear from you. But Harold Vaughn points out something that I've not considered about the Lord's model prayer here in Matthew 6. Here's what he says. There is not a single first-person pronoun in the model prayer. Most people pray about I, me, and my, and, and by the way, he's not saying that in a negative way. Uh, when we pray the Lord's model prayer, we'll often personalize that, and that's legitimate as we speak to our Father. But he goes on, none of these words appear in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Jesus taught us to begin with our Father. And then instructed us to carry out the unity protocol with give us, forgive us, and deliver us. So let's take a closer look as I pause what he was saying here. Look at verse 19, uh, Matthew uh, chapter 6. I jumped ahead, I mean verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as, uh, in earth as it is in heaven. And then notice, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, verse 12, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Have you ever noticed that before? 
The point is, it's not just that Jesus was speaking to a group of disciples, and so he's saying, you all should pray, pray this way. It's not, it's not that as it is when we pray. It, he's our Father. Really, when we come to the Lord, we should have in mind that we are part of his church, his family. And so the model prayer is a family prayer. Every regenerate person belongs to the family of God. We are all brothers and sisters. That's why Christians feel a kindred spirit with other Christians anywhere in the world. God's family is huge, and he desires us to be unified. It's very interesting to me, and my heart was so encouraged, uh, preaching in Sunday mornings about unity, and we'll finish that up, Lord willing, this Sunday morning. Uh, but then early in the week to begin preparing for tonight, and wouldn't you know, when I went to the next chapter in Vaughn's book, and by the way, we're going to be sharing very little out of that chapter. I, I got excited about what the Lord uh, showed me about this theme that we're going to consider tonight. And so I, I launched off of that, and, and it was just exciting to see God put things uh, together. But uh, as, as I thought about Sunday morning, what we looked at, I turned to the next chapter, and wouldn't you know it, it was the unity protocol. The unity protocol. We're going to look at that this evening. We considered on Sunday morning Jesus' prayer in John 17, 11, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. The aim of Jesus' prayer was the Father's glory through the oneness of all believers. I thank God again for the unity that is here. But if we are going to be spirit-controlled people uniting together in this local assembly to do the work of God, the natural effect of us being yielded to the Spirit is oneness. Just consider again the fruit of the Spirit. Love, not for me, others. Joy, yeah, that, that ministers to me, but that should be what I broadcast. Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith, temperance. All right, things that also affect those others around me in the household of faith. Pastor Brown Sunday night reminded us again that each Christian has a specific function, yet our functions are interrelated as the body of Christ. So consider this. Believers share the same Father in heaven who made us one here on earth, and he yearns for his family here to be unified. How many of you parents love to hear screams and hollers and things bouncing off the wall in the other room? No. What you love to see is your kids getting along, helping each other out, showing love and deference for one another. It doesn't 
do anything but grieve the heart of God when his children here are not one, are not unified. And so the unity protocol, that's what we're going to consider together. Our Father, give us, forgive us, deliver us. In this message, I want us to see God clearly expects us to pray for unity within the household of faith just as the Lord prayed. We talk about Christ's likeness. Well, if we're going to be like him, we need to pray like him. And that prayer includes praying for unity, oneness. But what exactly are we praying for? We're asking the Lord to help us get along with each other. Is that what we're praying for? Well, that's not an illegitimate prayer. Lord, help us to get along. But are we asking the Lord to help us be a happy family? Is that what we're praying for? Praying the unity protocol is much more focused. And I want to, uh, this is where, again, as I just meditated on this, God stirred my heart. The unity protocol is focused on the goal of unity. And what is the goal of unity? Turn back now to Matthew chapter 4. I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 4. You're going to need to go the other direction. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Every Christian is called of the Lord to the duties of the gospel. Sometimes that calling may include imprisonment. What did Paul say in verse 1? I am the prisoner of the Lord. What was he doing in prison? As he engaged in his duties of the gospel, sharing the gospel, the great commission, uh, he was opposed. Persecution came. He's in prison. But regardless of where your calling leads you, we need to fulfill it in a way that pleases the Lord, that is worthy of him. Again, when you and I do God's work God's way, the scripture says, Jesus says, you're worthy of me. Walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. He is pleased and he considers us worthy when our hearts are right and when we're serving him through the power of the Holy Spirit. But Paul goes on to say, that you can't fulfill your calling alone. What is the goal of unity? It's to encourage each other in our calling from the Lord. Unified believers are needed for believers to be able to do the work of God. You need other believers behind you. Now, that's, the, that's what the text here says. Look at verse 2. Walk worthy of the vocation where ye, wherein ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love. Forbearing one another means bearing with, sustaining, supporting one another 
in love. So we, I got ready to come and pray at the pulpit tonight. I looked out and there was Bill Barker smiling at me. Now he's over here. How long have we prayed for Bill's job situation? And tonight he still doesn't have uh, an answer, but it was a good day. It was a long day, but it was a good day. What have we been doing? We have been supporting, bearing with their situation. And that's what the church does. Uh, Brother Josh Wagar's over here. How long have we prayed for their legal situation in Chuuk? Years. Years. Bearing with, trying to sustain them and encourage them. And I, I know their hearts, they're glad that they didn't have to face this trial alone. Well, what has been behind their ability to serve faithfully these years, even though this cloud, if we could put it that way, is over their head? What has sustained them? It's the praying of God's people unified here at Good News Baptist Church. Look at verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So the Holy Spirit brings unity, binds us together with His peace. There are a lot of things that can happen in your life and my life. And again, this is just another of many reasons why God's people need to assemble together. I can be going through the fire, but when I walk in this room with my church family, I feel the burden just lifted. People are praying. People are going to encourage. How are you doing? And they mean it. The Holy Spirit reminds us of what we then have in common as he speaks through uh, again, the Apostle Paul, look at verse 4. Chapter 4, verse 4, There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called, there it is again, in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in you all. Reminding us again, that it's not just a partnership here, but it's a partnership with our God who's working through us, but the prayers, unified prayers of God's people, sustaining God's people, then calls on our Father in heaven to work on behalf of his people. He then gives us grace enablement to exercise the gifts that Christ has given to us. Look at verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So again, you can't fulfill your calling alone. God never intended for it to be that way. So the unity protocol asks the Lord to unify his saints through his power so they can support each other in their calling from the Lord. That's the goal. The unity protocol. Again, even the reminders in the Lord's Prayer. We pray, our Father, forgive us, meet our needs, and so on. Why? Because we need each other to accomplish the work of God. 
where there is the unity of the Spirit, the church is a powerful force for the gospel. Where there isn't unity and believers are devouring one another, Galatians 5.15, people cannot fulfill their calling. When there's infighting, there is no outreaching. That's why unity is so important. That's why every one of us needs to walk in the Spirit, be obedient. So the Holy Spirit, again, can do His work through us, including our praying, to build up the body so that we can fulfill the ministry that God's given to us. Can I just say this, and I'll, I want to be kind when I say it, But if you're not focused on your ministry, like Pastor Brown talked about Sunday night, you are a threat to the unity of this assembly. If you're not focused on the Lord and reaching others and being involved in the work of God, you're going to be focused on you and what you like and what you want, and that's a threat to us. We are not here about us and what we want. So as you pray for unity, so those in your church can support each other in their calling, there are some specific things that you need to pray for on behalf of others. And this is, again, where the Lord led my mind. I'm studying this, and I'm thinking, you know what? There were times where Paul said to the church, brethren, pray for us. Be unified in your praying for us. So we've looked at the goal of the unity protocol, but what are specific requests that bring unity? Galatians chapter 2 and verse 6 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Then in Galatians 6 and verse 10, Paul continues, As we have therefore opportunity... Let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Now, based on what we've looked at tonight, you know, the, the good can be uh, coming alongside to help somebody with a physical need, providing a meal and, and, and so on, a word of encouragement. All, all that is important, but in light of what we're looking at tonight, it has to include prayer. It has to include prayer. And as you follow the Lord's model prayer for yourself, pray the same thing for your fellow Christians. Pray for your fellow, fellow believers. At this point in my ministry, this is the third church that I've been privileged, as God has led and called, third church that I've been privileged to pastor. By God's grace, this will be the last one. But you know, I still pray for those other churches. I pray for their unity. I pray for their power. Uh, God didn't have us there so that we could uh, pour our lives into those ministries and then forget them. In fact, we still hear from those folks, get prayer requests from those folks, and pray for them. And some of you, God's had you in other ministries, involved in other ministries, pray for them. But coming back to what we're looking at, our Father, help us to exalt your name. 
When you pray for yourself, Lord, use me to glorify your name. Pray that for your church. Lord, help us to glorify your name this week. Help us to be a witness for you this week. Be exalted in our actions and our reactions. Give us our daily bread. Pray for your physical needs, but then pray for the physical needs of your church family. That's why your prayer sheet is so important because they're right there with the updates. And oh, by the way, our missionary family, those updates, those are not just random things that are printed. Pastor Radice takes time every week to pour over our prayer letters and to make sure that in that alphabetical order, the 90 missionaries we support, that he is pulling the specific requests and, and making sure that they get in the uh, prayer sheet with Mrs. Tobin's help so that you are praying specifically for the latest requests. And how about this one? Lead us not into temptation. We've looked at that. Literally, don't us, allow us to be drawn into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Every week, we need to be praying for our church family that no one is overtaken in a fall. That Satan doesn't draw somebody into his snare. That there isn't a moral failure. It can happen in any church, right? Do we all have the same flesh? And is any of that flesh glorified yet? Not yet. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he... Yeah. The Apostle Paul, we've been talking about it. What was his fear? Lest after I have preached unto others, I myself be a castaway. Literally, put on the shelf because I'm no longer useful to the Lord. That struck fear in the heart of the apostle and it ought to strike fear in each of our hearts. There are people in the Bible a whole lot godlier than you and me and they ran into some moral trouble. And so we need to pray, Lord, keep us from being drawn into temptation. Now, maybe you don't think you need that, but can I just say, I need you to pray for me that way. Please. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray for our families. All right. And so, remember the specific areas where Paul mentions, he says to the churches, brethren, pray for us. He says that in 1 Thessalonians 5.25. And so as we close out tonight, here are the specific things that Paul mentions when he says, brethren, pray for us. First of all, pray that God's word will accomplish all that he desires. 2 Thessalonians 3.1, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. You know what that means? Free course means run effectively. So Paul is saying, when I preach, when the word of God leaves my mouth, would you pray that the word runs and is effective as it works its way into hearts? 
Pray that it'll be effective. And that, and be glorified, even as it is with you. Paul says, I remember you Thessalonians. I didn't get to spend much time there because the Jews ran me out of your city. But I rejoice that when I preached that short time I was with you, the word of God ran and took root in your hearts. You were saved. It transforms you. God was glorified. And now as I preach in other places, would you please pray that God's word would be effective there as well. I try every weekend before we come together to take that section in our prayer sheet where all the ministries are listed. And I pray for everyone who is going to proclaim the word of God. You Sunday school teachers, children's church workers, pastoral staff, Pastor Tobin in the Hispanic church. And what do I pray, Lord, as your word is preached, let it run. And when I think about these precious children, I pray, Lord, and make it stick. There are all kinds of things that I remember from God's Word. I don't know who taught it to me. I know it was, a, it was a faithful Sunday school teachers, and, and they just kept proclaiming those things, and it stuck. Praise God. All right. So pray that God's Word will accomplish all that God desires. Second, Pray for deliverance from those who oppose the gospel. Again, 2 Thessalonians 3, 2, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. The Greek word for unreasonable is where we get our, the word absurd. So some of us not too long ago were, had the opportunity to be in Thessaloniki, as they call it today. What a city, what a beautiful city, right on the north end of the Aegean. But there were some absurd people there that were so uh, in the grip of Judaism that, that you get to heaven by keeping the law of Moses that, that they drove Paul out of there. He's preaching liberty. You don't have to work your way to heaven. It's not about you. You can depend on God. He sent his son. Jesus paid the price for your sin. It's a free gift. And they went nuts. Absurd. Drove them out of Thessaloniki. So pray for us that we'll be delivered from those kind of people. Wicked men. For all men have not faith. Not only do those individuals not have faith, but when they oppose us and we have to leave, we can't help others have faith. And in fact, when Paul and his team left Thessalonica, we find them next in Berea, 50 miles to the west. And when they got to Berea, guess who followed them 50 miles to cause trouble there? This same bunch. Did Paul and his team need prayer? Yeah. Do those of us as the church of Jesus Christ who are trying to proclaim the gospel here and afar, do we need prayer? Yeah, because everywhere Satan has his men who are absurd and wicked. 
The only victory is going to come through God. And then number three, pray for maintenance of a clean conscience and right motives. Maintenance of a clean conscience and right motives. Hebrews 13, 18. I believe Pastor Coles would agree with me that the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Okay? There are many reasons why uh, I think that. But he said here, pray for us. Pray for us. For we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. Having a clean conscience, you can't serve the Lord with any power if you don't have a clean heart. And you have to have right motives. Paul said, there are things that the Lord did through me and for me. The revelations, other things that Paul saw the Lord do through him. And he said, and so the Lord said, because of all that, I'm going to humble you. I'm going to give you a thorn in the flesh, messenger of Satan, to buffet you, to keep you dependent on me. And Paul said, and I glory in it. I'm thankful for it. Why? Because his strength is made perfect in my, my weakness. But part of that strength, don't, don't miss this, part of that strength was people were praying for Paul. You want to encourage your pastor? Now, when you say this, I, I, I believe you mean it. <laughs> People come up and say, Pastor, I just want you to know, I pray for you every day. Man, that I want to hug them. I've got a godly mother. You know how my mom encourages me? Son, I pray for you. <laughs> Do you know what makes me concerned? I'm not the first preacher to say this. Sometimes we have saints uh, from time to time. We have saints that get promoted to heaven. I was very concerned when Dr. Lepresti went to heaven because he was one of those guys that come up to me on a regular basis and say, Pastor, I'm praying for you. Well, now he's not here. So pray for those in ministry, those on our pastoral staff, those that you serve with here at Good News, pray that they'll have a clean conscience. The Holy Spirit will remind them if they don't. Pray that they have a clear conscience and right motives in the ministry that they do. Now, when we pray these things, when we keep the goal in mind, Lord, we need unity so that everyone here is effective in their ministry for you. We want to encourage each other. And if we're praying specifically this way, do you know what will happen? God will continue to work through this ministry, but God will continue to unify this ministry. When the team is focused on the end line and the goal and winning for God, there will be unity. The unity protocol. So as you pray, pray for unity, but be specific. The things, these requests that we've looked at tonight. As we close, conclusion, the unity protocol reminds us that the Lord's model prayer is a family prayer. 
When we pray for unity, we also pray for others. The same thing that our Lord prayed for us in John 17. And then praying for unity and specifically for those things that encourage fellow believers. It's what God requires to fulfill their calling and it all encourages greater unity. Shall we stand together? Father, thank you for the truths of your word. I've never understood, somebody says that when they pray, they run out of things. Just a few minutes, they run out of things to pray. Lord, that's an admission they don't know you or your word. Or they don't know you well enough. Because, Lord, when we understand the protocols of prayer, including this unity protocol, the frustration will be that there's just not enough time. And our flesh will want us to take, uh, take away time to do other things. But Lord, teach us to pray. And Lord, through this church being a praying church, would you unify us, make us powerful and effective in the ministry that you've given every one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.